Good morning, Lakeside. Um, I hope that this um, video finds you safe at, in your homes with your loved ones and that you have gathered for worship. Um, these are strange times. It's kind of hard to know what to expect and what to think in these times. Uh, and sometimes words uh, that we're familiar with are, are comforting. So I've got some words for you. You're at the right place at the right time to hear the gospel proclaimed today. And uh, as we begin our worship time together, uh, I, I want to invite you to join with me in some other words that are very important to us, and that is the Apostles' Creed. Um, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning and welcome, saints. Um, shortly after World War II, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, a song, or rather patriotic song, was written titled, Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition. And that had, anecdotally, it probably came from, people had said it came from a chaplain um, whom they had asked to, to pray. And it's, it's, it gives something of a sense, I think, of the, the faith and the wisdom uh, that we are called to live in times such as these. Indeed, praise the Lord, rejoice in all things, um, but wash our hands and stay six feet apart from each other. Uh, a few things to note uh, for the, the, at least the, the foreseeable future, the next few weeks, uh, our church hours are from nine till noon. Now, you can call the church at any time and get hold of us. I really encourage you that when you call, push one, uh, speak to our administrative assistant, and wherever she is, she will be able to get hold of any of the staff. Uh, but I really do encourage you to, uh, that would be the quickest way of getting a hold of us is to go through number one. But throughout the week, there will be some of the, uh, sort of a skeletal staff here. Uh, some of the janitorial services are going to be here sanitizing things, and um, Tyson and myself and others will be here um, as, as needed, taking care of business that needs to be taken care of. Also, we do want to thank you very much for those who have been able to continue in their tithing and offerings and, and their giving. Uh, I know it's not been really easy. Some have wanted to. Some have called up. I really encourage you, if you want to do that and you're able to do that, um, please uh, look at the emails we send you. You can also go to the website. Um, but for all things, keep your eyes out for the emails. You'll probably be getting something a couple, two or three times a week. And so if anything changes, this is a fluid situation, um, that's the best way to find out uh, what is going on. And also, I know a lot of you have family in the area, but, but some maybe don't, or their family's not able to be as helpful. But certainly, for all of you, feel free to call us here at the church. We can help with a lot of things. We can get a, get a hold of some products that maybe you can't get a hold of. Um, but definitely talk to us. I think some of your officers will be touching base with all of our members, just seeing how they're doing. Please um, share with them uh, what is going on. The uh, great King David, when they brought the, 
um, the, the um, ark into the tent, he had an incredible song of praise. And part of it says this, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exalt everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, indeed, the Lord reigns. All your creation declares it. All the redeemed sing of it. Your covenant love lasts forever, and it is embodied magnificently and perfectly in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You love your church, joining us together by your precious Spirit. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Father, in all things we are to give thanks and we are to rejoice always. Through your word implanted in our hearts, you have birthed faith in us. We believe. Help our unbelief. Open our eyes to see your mercies and the truth that is in you in the midst of all things, even that which is beyond our understanding. Our gracious God, like Abraham, we pray for your mercy upon this earth that the meek are to inherit one day. Give relief and save lives. Like Solomon, we know that your judgments bring the fear of God. We pray that those you seek will see that it is the kindness of God that brings repentance and salvation. And like your great apostle, we pray that we would know that all things work together for good to those that are called according to your purpose. Today, Lord, we rejoice in him who brings your kingdom, a kingdom you gladly give your children. And so we pray for that kingdom as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The psalmist says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The, the biggest cliche that I could bring you this morning would be to say that we are living in strange times. A group of us left for Belize two weeks ago and we returned last weekend to a world that was gripped with fear. 
And, and it wasn't immediately clear how big a deal this was. It kind of took time for, for us to figure out this was going to be a big deal. Information came to us in spurts. I initially thought, you know, like, like everyone's overreacting. What, what's going on here? All the sports were canceled. College campuses were shut down. And then all the local schools were canceled. And as most of you know, most of the churches were canceled last Sunday. The New York Times headline last week read, Stirring sermons about coronavirus in empty cathedrals. And if I could pan around and show you the entire church this morning, uh, it's eerie. The church isn't supposed to be, it's not supposed to be empty when the word of God is proclaimed. It, it, I think it's harder for preachers to kind of connect somehow emotionally when you're on the other side of your screen. We are a church that has always valued being connected together. We're a people who value, we value handshakes, we value hugs, we value praying together, we value, value confessing together. And Hebrews 10.25 says this. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So we're called to, to not neglect meeting together in order that we can kind of encourage one another in worship. That's, that's clear in Scripture. So, so what I want you to do is hold that in one hand, that, that we are, we're told to continue to meet together. The Word of God instructs us to continue in this habit. But on the other hand, we have this biblical responsibility to take care of, of widows and orphans and, and to submit even to government leadership. If we were to look at Romans 13.1, it teaches us, that, it says this, let, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. On the one hand, Scripture encourages us to, to not stop meeting together so that we can encourage one another in gospel righteousness. And on the other hand, if we were to have church like normal this week, we would actually be hurting the very people that we love. And we would be disobeying the established authority of God. So, so what do we do? What do we do? How do we continue to honor the scriptures that tell us to continue to meet and at the same time practice this idea of social distancing, which, which the government health departments have asked us to honor? The truth is we don't know how long this will last. Chances are we won't be able to gather in person for weeks or weeks. I'm afraid that we're going to see Palm Sunday and Easter come and go, and I'm not sure I've fully come to terms with this. I'm still kind of grieving the loss of our community. It seems like, to the best of our ability, we have to figure out how to connect for a season online. We have to figure out how to attend church together. We have to figure out how to be the church gathered while, while staying in our living rooms and our kitchens. And so I hope that you will feel like this video is much more than, it's, it's much more than just watching a sermon. I hope for you for a season, these videos can feel like you are attending church. With that said, here we are gathered, we're gathered around our screens and our, and our devices in order to gather around the Word of God and to ask tough questions and to hear biblical counsel. I was scheduled this week to begin a new sermon series, and what we were going to talk about was, was tough issues of the faith. But for obvious reasons, I've made the decision to spend the next three weeks 
teaching through a series that we're calling Pandemic. The word pandemic comes from two Greek words, the word pan meaning all, and the word demos meaning people or population. So a pandemic is one that affects nearly all the population, and and this is how the the World Health Organization has classified COVID-19 as a global pandemic that will in some way affect nearly all of the world's population. And as we talk about this global pandemic, we need to ask, how should the church live in the midst of a pandemic? What should our lives look like? And what does Scripture say to give us courage in the midst of all this, to live as we ought in the midst of what is, for many of us, a very scary time? Let me start this week by asking one question. That question is this, has nature gone completely off the tracks? I'm sure that's what it feels like to many of us, that, that nature has gone crazy. Uh, that, that some people in China made some very questionable dietary choices to eat bats and that this has somehow resulted in a highly contagious super virus that now threatens to kill millions of people. And we've all been told that our only hope is to quarantine and so we can slow down this infection rate so that our, our hospitals are not overrun. And it kind of feels like Nature is broken. Like what's happening to nature isn't natural. And that no one's in charge anymore. Because who could be in charge of a virus that seemingly infects people indiscriminately? Let the people of God be reminded of this. That nature has never been off the rails. Nor has nature ever been out of control. Nothing in this world happens apart from the will of God. Not once in the Bible is is anything attributed, even something as common as rain, to any power other than God himself. The psalmist declares this in Psalm 135, verses 6 and 7. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and in all their depths. He makes the cloud rise from the ends of the earth and sends lightning with the rain. He brings out wind from his storehouses. There are no floods that happen apart from God's will. There are no lightning strikes that happen apart from God's will. There are no virus mutations, no waves, no winds, no pandemic, no diseases will come to us apart from the will of God. And and so I wonder... Does that give you comfort? Are you comforted by the idea that the virus is part of nature and that God controls all of nature? That's an issue of faith, my friends. Today, I want to look at Scripture and be reminded of the Lordship of Jesus We're going to be reading together today from Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Uh, Before we read together, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we, we do come to you in the name of Jesus, and we come to you in a very uncertain time. And and as we come to your word, we confess our trust in you. Lord, you are still God. You are still in control, and we trust that you still are good to us and love us. Every good gift we have is from you. That includes your word revealed here that we read together. Father, we ask now that you would embolden us by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all the church said, 
Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was, was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Church, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our scripture today is about God's lordship over all of creation, over everything in the created world. Jesus' disciples followed him onto a boat, and Jesus is always teaching. He's always showing the disciples how to live. And so what does Jesus do when he gets into the boat? He takes a nap. Jesus just, he just rests. He's at, he's at peace. He is calm. He's not panicked and he's not worried. The storms come in, the waves uh, crash, the winds blow, and Jesus is peaceful in sleep. And do you know why? You know why Jesus can be peaceful in sleep? Because Jesus understands that all of nature bends to the will of his Father. All of it winds, waves, viruses. Jesus models for you and for me peace in the midst of the storm. And it doesn't mean that it was peaceful uh, on the boat above. Verse 24 says this. It says, And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by waves. But Jesus was asleep. I, 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 don't know, I can't watch movies like Titanic or, or those shark movies where there's always something coming to get you out of the water, where there's always a boat going down and, and there's nothing below but darkness. Those movies, they, just, they give me the creeps. And these guys, these disciples, many of them were fishermen who were experienced on the sea. They knew when it was appropriate to panic. Their boat is taking on water. They're getting flung from side to side. They're cold and they're wet and they're panicked. And it feels to them that nature is out of control and that they're about to be swallowed up by that darkness. I tell you what, when I look around right now and I see a world full of people who are trying to ride out the storm, they, they don't really know what's happening. I see a world of people who are panicked. I see a world of people who, who don't know what Jesus knew. That God has all of nature under his control. If the world knew what Jesus knew, if they knew of God's sovereignty, if they knew of, of his grace and love, they could stop panicking and they could rest in the midst of this storm. King David also seemed to have this admirable faith before God. He seemed to understand this idea of resting before God. Because he understood that God was in control of all things. So let me show you what I mean. I, I want to look together at, at two psalms today. Uh, first, let's start with, with Psalm 3. And the context of Psalm 3 is this. David 
he's, he's being chased by Absalom, his son. His son has raised up an army, and he, he means to overthrow David and to take away the throne from him. And so, so David is kind of fleeing from his life. And, and he writes this psalm, and we, we get it in Psalm 3. Let's look at, at, at verse 1. It says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Isn't that funny? Uh, David says in the psalm that the people are actually, they're, they're mocking his, his faith in God. They're saying, there's no salvation in your God. But look at how David continues. We'll go on. Uh, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. And in verse 5, we finally see David doing the same thing as Jesus. We see him rest in the Lord. And this is what he writes. He says, I lay down and slept. I woke again, and the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves uh, against me all around me. Why is David not afraid? Why can David find rest? And how can he find peace? Because he knows, like Jesus knows, that nothing can happen in this world without the Lord. That nothing can happen to you that God does not permit. Do you trust in God? Then rest in his lordship. If we, if we just turn to just the very next psalm, so we, we looked first at Psalm 3. If we were to look at Psalm 4 and, and look at Psalm 4, 8, you would, write, you would find this. David writes this, In peace I will both lay down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David knew what it meant to rest in the midst of the storm. But only because he trusts in God's sovereignty and, and God's goodness. And he believed that God had the power to control all things. And he also believed that God's will for his life was good. On one hand, they believed God had the power to control all of nature. He's sovereign. But they also believed that his will for their life was good. Do you believe these things? Do you believe that God is sovereign and that he controls all things? Uh, that, that he's the master of the winds and waves? That he's, he controls the cells in your body and the viruses in the air? Do you believe that he controls all that? And do you trust in the Lord's plan for your life? Even if it means that you might get sick. If God is good and sickness is God's plan for your life, then are you at peace with whatever may come? If so, you will find rest in the midst of the storm. 72 years ago, C.S. Lewis wrote a piece dealing with Britain's gripping fear over the atomic bomb. People were, they were just talking about it all the time. And I know you haven't experienced that, like with this thing. I mean, like, what did we talk about before this? We're just always talking about it, talking about the virus, the virus. And people were really scared. You can imagine what it would be like to live with fears of the atomic bomb. They were having these drills at school where they would, they would have kids climb under desks to try to prepare for, for whatever may come. And here's what C.S. Lewis basically says. He says this. We are thinking way too much about the atomic bomb. He said that if, if we lived in the 16th century in England, we would have suffered a plague every year. And if we lived in the age of Vikings, that, that raiders from Scandinavia might land and, and cut your throat every night. He said, we already live in an age of cancer and, and air raids and train wrecks and car accidents. Don't lose sight of this point. 
And C.S. Lewis makes this very clear point. You and I and everyone we love, we are already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb, before COVID-19. And I love what what C.S. Lewis says next. He says this, our first course of action is to pull ourselves together. (laughs) If the bomb is going to find us, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint or a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. He adds, they may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. You know, some people need to be reminded to have courage to live a full life and and to reject living in fears. But in some ways, this virus is different than the atomic bomb. I'm I'm not really afraid that that I'm going to die of the virus. Um, I'm I'm a young enough guy, I'm a healthy enough guy. From what I hear, that's not really the threat. I'm afraid that I might spread it to someone else that I love, and, and they may not be at the same stage in life that I am, and it may hurt them. I think the thing that's most unique about our situation in this coronavirus pandemic is that we're so isolated. It has to be similar to how people must have felt in the midst of the plagues. And as Americans with modern health care and antibiotics, we're not used to plagues. But many of our Christian brothers who came before us were well acquainted with plagues. I don't know if if you realize this, I read this somewhere this week, that London saw about a, a plague about every 20 years from 1348 to 1665. So about every 20 years in that time frame of about 300 years, they saw a plague. About, about, about 40 plagues in 300 years. And according to historians, uh, each time the plague came to London, about 20% of the people would catch it and die. Just imagine how acquainted with death you would be if every 20 years you had to experience something like that. This past week, um, a man by the name of Justin Taylor wrote an interesting article for the Gospel Coalition in and, and which he spoke about Holdrick Zwingli's experiences with a global pandemic. Zwingli, many of you have heard of him before, was the leader in the Reformation Church in Switzerland. And he, he's a very interesting guy to, to read about. Um, read about the way he died uh, at the end of his life with, with a battle axe in his hand. He, he really was kind of a modern-day Braveheart kind of a figure. But on January 1st, 1519, uh, yeah, January 1st, 1519, Zwingli arrived in Zurich to serve as the pastor of the people there. He, he came, a really exciting guy. He had this expository style of preaching that people weren't used to at that time. And that, what that means is that he would go through the scriptures verse by verse, like we often do here, and, and he would kind of just talk through it and teach the people. And the church was being discipled, and people began to grow in their faith and to be emboldened in their lives. And that all changed a few months later. In the fall of 1519, plague ravaged this picturesque city of Zurich. Most people will suggest that the mortality rate was roughly one-third of the population. And Zwingli as a pastor was drawn to care for the sick. 
And you can imagine in, in a time of the plague that, that if you're a pastor caring for the sick, that this would put your own life in grave danger. And in September 1519, Zwingli got sick. He, uh, he had the plague. For months, Zwingli was, re- was reduced to a feeble man. He was bedridden. He, he clinged to life. Hours of struggles turned into days, days into weeks. And as the warmth of spring brought restoration to the Swiss land, so too was health miraculously restored to Zwingli's body. And on a sick bed, Zwingli composed a song of faith before the Lord. And, and, and I want to tell you how interesting that is. I mean, which of us gets sick today and we go, you know what? I need to compose a song to the Lord in my sickness. I, uh, that's why I admire men like that. But, but I want to I read to you his song that he composed on his sick bed. He, he said this. And, and I'm not going to sing it. I'm not gonna, I know you want me to, but I'm not going to sing it. I don't even really know the melody. Uh, but, but here's what it says. Help Lord God. Help in this trouble. I think death is at the door. Stand before me, Christ, for you have overcome him. To you I cry. If it's your will, take out this dart that wounds me. Don't let me have an hour's rest or or repose. If it's your will, however, that death take me in the midst of my days, so let it be. Do what you will. Nothing shall be too much for me. Your vessel am I to make or to break altogether. There it is. It's that same peace that we see in Jesus on the boat. It's that same peace we see in David when he's surrounded by the armies of Absalom. In the grips of the plague, there is Zwingli, himself sick almost to the point of death. And Zwingli, he says to the Lord, you control all things. You're the Lord of the plague. You're the Lord of me. You've always done right by me. I trust in you and your ways. Have your way in me. Do what you will, for I am your vessel. That's faith. That's peace. And you can only have it when your faith in God is such that you know who controls all things. And you know that, that your life is in, is in safe hands. Even if it means that your, your, your ship sinks. Even if it means that your enemies take you over. Even if it means that you get sick. Do you trust in the sovereign will of God like that? If you do, then what is there to worry about. What will be, will be. You just find rest and sleep in the fact that that, that we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we we do know who holds tomorrow. Nature is not off its tracks. Nature only serves the sovereign will of God. Church, this week, um, later on the week, we're going to be releasing a video-based panel discussion, and, and you're going to get to see some familiar lakeside faces on it. Uh, it'll, it'll kind of be a way where you can kind of pretend like you're in small groups. You can hear all these people talking about, about issues, and uh, you're going to be in your home watching it, and when you feel like you need to like, get in there, you can just hit pause and talk to them and make them listen. You pause all of us, and we're going to talk through these ideas. We're going to talk through the idea of, of God's sovereignty, and we're going to talk through the idea of trusting God's goodness in the midst of, of, of this pandemic. 
And so I'd say look for that in the middle of the week. We're going to put something out for that. I, I encourage you uh, to stay safe, to stay indoors as much as possible, to take the instructions from our government leaders seriously. I encourage you to be cautious, to be wise, to be compassionate. But do not be anxious and do not fear. Rather, be at peace in the storm. Rest in the knowledge that God uh, controls all of creation. Let's end today by having a word of prayer together. Father, we do come to you in the name of Jesus, and we pray for all those who are sick. We pray your grace over them, your healing over them. Father, we pray for those whose employment, whose jobs bring them into contact with the coronavirus, those who are in the healthcare field, those who are first responders. God, we pray for those whose incomes have been severely hindered by the fact that, that they've had to maybe shut the door of their business or, or be away from work. God, would you be gracious to them? God, for all of us, we pray for courage that in the midst of what is unknown, uncertain times, in the midst of what are, are very much storms in our life, we could find ourselves like Jesus and like David and like Zwingli, at peace, knowing that you control all things. To you be all the glory and honor in your church forever and ever. Amen. Church, we have uh, we've been together in, in the best way possible. We've been the church gathered. Uh, be safe and be the church scattered. Go now and take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet again. Amen. Thank you.